If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, then also turn to Judges chapter 7. If one text doesn't get you, or 6, if one text doesn't get you, the other one will. Amen. It's called a double barrel text. Amen. And we need to pray for our sick. There's so many, I can't hardly remember all of them, but I know Brother Jackson's battling this uh, foot problem. We need to pray for Brother Bobby. Miss him sitting over there. And of course, Miss Becky uh, is here. I'm going to face the doctors. Face the doctors. Have the opportunity to meet some more doctors. That sounds a little better. Uh, This Thursday, August 6th. And also, Miss Danielle's expecting this week. So we need to pray for her. Amen. This is her first, I believe. Amen. It is first. Yeah, okay. And uh, I tell you what, if, if that baby's born on Miss Connie's birthday, she will babysit for you for a whole year free. Okay? Not the solid year, just, you know, once in a while. Amen. She would anyway, praise God. You know that. But anyway, uh, let's pray for all these folks and uh, the challenges they're facing. And then also, thank God, the, uh, uh, the blessing of... Uh, a baby coming in this world. Let's pray for, for his, uh, or her, his, 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 right, his health. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, Hebrews chapter eleven. So God is blessing, and God is helping, and God is sustaining, and everybody looks like they got a good attitude because the ones that's not got a mask on are smiling. The ones that have the mask on, you're smiling too. Amen. Good testimony, brother Pete. I'm sorry that I didn't put that up front, but it was right on time. Amen. All right, let's stand in all the word of God. One verse, and all God's people said amen because you're so tired you don't want to stand 30 minutes like I stand. That's fine. The Bible says in verse 32, what shall I more say? What shall I more say? It's probably saying in closing, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to preach on that man of God. I was going to just put all these folks together, but if God put them in the Hall of Fame of Faith, we're going to, we're going to uh, preach every one of them. Amen? And this morning is Gideon. Turn to Joshua chapter 6 and verse 24. Jo- uh, judges, excuse me, Judges. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Judges chapter 6, verse 24. The Bible says in verse 24, And Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. What a, what a timely song. Unto this day is yet Ophrah of the Abazarets. And Folks, I want you to notice the name of God that Gideon gave the Lord. Jehovah Shalom. That's the God of peace. But that's not the peace like we're thinking about because a lot of people are falling apart through this pandemic and virus. It's not the peace, um, it's not the peace to take the place of worry, which God's peace will, but it's the peace when we're facing the ministry and we're facing uh, some odds against us. It's the peace knowing that God has called you to do something by faith for his glory. In context, Gideon was afraid to serve. Gideon was scared to serve because he didn't think he was qualified and he didn't think he was able. And God gave him peace that he'd go with him. So I want to preach just a few minutes on faith is the victory. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this good man of God named Gideon. 
I don't know if I preached on it in a few years, but Lord, he deserves it. I know he's not an escapee from some wax museum. He was a real person, scared to death, just a humble farmer. And God, you called him to do something that was unbelievable. And Lord, you used him in a mighty way because he saw you and he relied upon you and he had faith in you. God, give us faith when we face insurmountable odds. Give us faith when we're scared to death to go witness. Give me faith as I preach that funeral at 2 o'clock. God, I don't know anybody except Pete and his wife. God, I pray that you'd give me peace about it because, Lord, I'm nervous about it. And, Lord, I thank you, dear God, for just the ministry that's beyond us. We can yield our lives. You can give us peace to serve you. And Lord, I pray that you'd increase our faith and thus increase our peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, what shall I say more? And folks, I believe he summed it up, Gideon was a man of God. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a daddy of faith. I want to be a granddaddy of faith. I know my wife wants to be a mother of faith. And, and we miss our children so much. Come all the way back from Africa and they're 70 miles away and we can't even see them because of this junk. And it don't make us happy. But I want to tell you something, friend. God help us. God help us to have peace in the midst of storm. But God help us to have peace when we face the ministry that we cannot handle in our own strength. How in the world, Brother Stephen, are you going to go to Argentina and be effective? It won't be in you. I know you. and You know me. But it'll be in God. And it'll be because God sent him. and God's called him. And what a blessing it is that we can influence. Uh, I met Stephen by coaching Little League Ball and Doug Gap Association. And uh, he was my second baseman. And bench warmer. And, uh, you know, and thank God for, uh, that we met that way. He came to this church and um, he didn't think he was in the right church because he'd never seen my bald head because I always had a baseball cap on. Looked 20 years younger with a baseball cap on. That's a key right there. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know, it's amazing that God sends our kids, now they're grown-ups, around the world. I talked to Mark this morning and, and uh, think about Amy, how shy she was. She would hardly speak to her mama. And she wouldn't speak to me a lot of times. No, she was shy. I mean, just shy. Uh, one time we sang happy birthday to her in Shoney's, and she climbed under the table and wouldn't come back out. <laughs> now she's teaching ladies all around the world. It's amazing what God can do if you believe he's called you and that he will equip you. Say amen. But in Judges chapter 2, you'll find out what kind of uh, situation um, Brother Gideon was in. And we see in verse 13, it says, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. Now, folks, that's just like a wicked nation. In the name of sex, worshiping their God. With the act of sex, an illicit, immoral, terrible sin, they were worshiping the God of sex, Ashtoreth and Baal. And look at this. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he delivered them to the hands of the spoiler and spoiled them and sold them into the hands of the enemies round about so they could not any longer stand before their enemies. They, got, they became slaves. And look at verse 15. And whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. 
I don't want the hand of the Lord to be against me, do you? And it says, as the Lord has said, and as the Lord has sworn unto them, that they were greatly distressed. Now here's Gideon's people, greatly distressed, greatly oppressed, greatly abused. And nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. We're in chapter 2, verse 16. Look on now. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them and turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And you go on down, verse 19, it says they were just stubborn. You ever met somebody stubborn? Raise your hand, ladies, if you're married to somebody stubborn. Don't do that. Don't incriminate nobody. Amen. You got to live with a guy. But I want you to know, friend, Gideon lived in a distressing and wicked country, a wicked nation. And folks, you know, Gideon believed God and he received the word from the Lord and he became a mighty man of God. And folks, that's where Jehovah Shalom comes in. God will give you peace to preach, Brother Randy. God will give you peace to minister. God will give you peace to teach, uh, Brother Jack, Miss uh, uh, Rebecca did a great job this morning, but it wasn't their ability. It was God's ability. God will give you peace to go out on that bus route, Brother Petty, and reach those precious kids and serve in vacation Bible school. Thank God for every one of you that wanted to serve and we couldn't even have vacation Bible school. I, I thought it was the end of the world when we had to council vacation Bible school. I thought, my word, the Lord's coming. Even so, come quickly. But you know, I heard that story one time of a man telling what happened one day and maneuvers, there was two battleships that were maneuvering and they were in the training process and they were at sea and the sea was heavy and the visibility was not good and the captain was on the bridge on the watch out to take care of the, uh, his ship and a message came um, from the man on the lookout and he said there is a light bearing on the starboard side. And so the captain said, is the light steady or is the light moving astern? And the answer came back from the wing, it's steady, sir. And so the captain said, signal that ship that, that we're on a collision course and tell them to, and advise them to alter their course 20 degrees. And so they finished that signal to the other light, um, uh, flashed that signal to the other, other light, and a signal came back and said, no, you alter your course 20 degrees. How dare that light said that. And then the captain was infuriated and he said, send the message back. I am a captain. You alter your course 20 degrees. The message came back, I am a seaman second class. And I advise you to alter your course 20 degrees. The captain was furious and he said, I am a battleship. And after, alter your course 20 degrees. And the message flashed back, I am a lighthouse. You better alter your course 20 degrees. And folks, I want to tell you something. We have the lighthouse right here. We have the word of God in our hearts, preserved, inerrant, say amen, brother Jeremy, through that mass, preserved, inerrant, King James Bible, and he, this is the lighthouse. Alter your course. Don't you tell God to alter his. And when he calls you to do something, you better believe God can do it. And God will equip you, and God will give you peace in the midst of your ministry, if you'll just yield to God. For if it was evil times, I don't have time to read Judges 6 
uh, one through six. But fr friend, I'm gonna tell you something. It was terrible times. Uh, the Midianites had been in slavery for seven years. Or, or excuse me, the Israelites were in slavery. The Bible says in verse one, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Media seven years. The Midianites were their slave masters. They came and, go, came and went and, and, and they, they lorded over those people. And folks, they were in bondage of the worst kind. Verse seven, it says it came to pass, uh, Judges six, uh, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Mennonites. And that the, Lord, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which just said unto them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage and I'll deliver you out of the hand of the Egypt, Egyptians, out of the hand of all the oppressed you and drove you, them out from, from you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose the land ye dwell but ye have not obeyed my voice. That sounds like a stubborn nation to me. And it sounds like a nation that went against God. And folks, when I think about this nation of Israel, I think about America. And I think about America, how we have gone the opposite direction of what we ought to be going. And folks, I want to tell you something. We've gone from authority of the word of God and the God of this nation to relativism. I want you to look at uh, Judges 17, verse 6. And this is the key verse of the whole book of Judges. It's repeated again in the last verse of Judges. But look at uh, chapter 17, verse 6. And if this don't remind you of America, I don't know what will. Amen? And Judges 17 and in verse 6. Let's turn there, please. The Bible says this. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did what was, what, that which was right, in his own eyes. Folks, we live there today. People are just, uh, if it feels good, do it. There's no fixed standards. There's no right or wrong. And I'm gonna tell you something, folks. America's in a dilemma because the, no, there's no authority anymore. There's a generation that's raised up saying, you're not gonna tell me what to do. I don't have to keep the law. I don't have to be a law-abiding citizen. I'll just do what I wanna do and I'll do what I feel like doing. God help our nation. God help our nation not to dwell in the, uh, the, the, the every man did that was right in their own eyes. That's relativism. Whatever's relative, whatever feels good, I'll do it. I once ran into a bumper sticker almost because I was trying to figure out what the bumper sticker said in Statesboro, Georgia. I'll never forget it. It said, if it feels good, do it. I wanted to get out of my car after I almost hit the bumper and I wanted to say, no, if it's in the Bible, do it. Say amen. If it's in the word of God, do it. Not if it feels good, do it. And then I believe America has gone not only from authority to relativism, but God is, uh, we have gone from truth to pragmatism. No longer do we ask if it's true. We simply ask, does it work for me? Is it convenient? We're looking for a religion that serves us. Hey, folks, I'll tell you this modern contemporary movement today is, hey, if it feels good, I'll do it. It don't matter if it's scriptural. It don't matter how worldly it is. I'm going to tell you some folks, people are looking for a religion that brings health and wealth, happiness, and they don't even ask what's right. It's all what I can get out of. That's pragmatism. And churches are set up pragmatic with pragmatism. Whatever gets a crowd, do it. 
I'm going to tell you what, folks, whatever gets us crowded towards the cross of Calvary, we ought to do it. Say amen. Whatever's right with God, we ought to do it. Whatever's in the book, we ought to do it. Not whatever gets a crowd. Folks, Atlanta Braves will get a crowd. No, they don't even get a crowd now. I don't know anybody gets a crowd anymore, but I'm going to tell you this, friend. That don't make it spiritual. Say amen. They would get a crowd. They'd open it up. People would risk their lives to go to the Braves game. That's right. I ain't going to preach there. Number three, we have gone from reason to feeling. Psychology has replaced theology. Folks, listen. And sin is no longer the enemy. Sadness is. Every one of us is concerned more about, in America, more about their self-image than they are concerned about God's image. I hear another message on self-image, I'm going to get sick. But I'd like to hear a few more messages on God's image. He's God. He's still in control and he's still on the throne. Say amen. We have gone from convictions to opinions in America. Today people say, well, I feel this. There's no absolute truth. Truth's falling in the street as Isaiah prophesied. And folks, I want to tell you something. Every man just simply does what is right in their own eyes. Our kids have been told in college, heard of a college professor said this, you can't be certain about anything. And one professor stood up in the class and he said, we can know nothing for certain. And a real sharp student raised his hand and said, professor, are you sure about that? <laughs> Amen. And folks, listen, he said, I'm absolutely sure. He was absolutely sure there was nothing sure. And I want to tell you something, friend, we live in a day and age where we need to realize that there's some wrong heroes being lifted up. Amen. We're hey, listen, I ain't going to get touchy, but I probably will. Folks, listen, we make martyrs out of people that are sinners. And folks, people give their lives for Christ and the word of God, and we just, don't, we just overlook their funeral. They don't even have one. They're buried over in some uh, cold grave in a solitary place in a third world country because they gave their life for Jesus. We ought to utilize them. We ought to make them our heroes. And one of my heroes is Gideon. Say amen, praise God. When I was growing up, they did a survey uh, and said, who's the most respected role model? Uh, and they list six of them. The top six, number one was Magic Johnson. Number two was... Uh, uh, they're dead. Thank God for that. And number three was Michael Jordan. Number four was Martin Luther King. Number five was former President George Bush. And number six was the current president, Bill Clinton. Now, number one on the list. Now, listen, the most respected role model of young teenagers of that day confessed to having over 100 immoral relationships with women and a man who had bragged about having sexual encounter with six women at one time. I hate to be explicit. And I hate to be crass, but I want to tell you something, friend. That's the wrong role model. That's the wrong hero. Folks, a hero ought to be your Sunday school teacher and a good godly deacon and a preacher and, and a, a servant of God and, and your bus captain and somebody that loves you and and teaches you every day the word of God and doesn't compromise what they teach the word of God to you. 
Your mama ought to be your hero. Your daddy ought to be your hero. Amen. If they live for God, say amen. Nothing more attractive than a man of God that leads his family. And so I want to give you four things real quick in closing. Those are four things that's caused our nation to go down the tubes. But I want you to see in closing four principles. Number one, Gideon had the principle of a vision of faith. Look at chapter 6, verse 11. I used to apologize for using so much scripture. That was a crazy apology. The more scripture, the better. Say amen. Less illustrations, less jokes, amen, but more, more scripture. But look at uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, please. The Bible says this, And there came an angel of the Lord and said under an oak that was at Ophrah, pertained to Josh and Bizarak, and, the son, and his son Gideon threshing wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. He is hiding. Found him hiding in the winepress. Look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I guarantee you when God said that to him, he turned around and said, Who is he talking to? It can't be me. I'm sitting here scared to death, hiding from the Midianites. And he calls me a mighty man of valor. Now look at verse 13. Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Why are we going through all this junk? Why are we slaves? And there be all his miracles, listen to this, and where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us from the Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. He's whining now. Don't, 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 don't jump him too quick because you've been whining too. And delivered us into the hands of the Mennonites. Look at verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, go in, go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Mennonites. Have not I sent thee? Have not I sent thee? Every time I get scared, every time I get frightful, I say, God, you sent me. When I faced that graveside funeral this afternoon with some people that uh, never trusted the Lord, I've got to trust his power. I've got to trust the message. Or I'll run. I'll hide. I'll find a good excuse not to take your place, Pete. Amen. He didn't feel qualified. I don't feel qualified. But I know one that is qualified. And his name is Jesus. And his Holy Spirit is enough. And his word is powerful. And it'll never return void. Never, never. So he had a vision. What did he have a vision of? He had a vision of a God that said you can. He has a vision of a God that says I'll take over if you'll let me. And Boy, I need that every time I stand. I've been preaching 42 years and I'm still getting nervous. I'm nervous I'll waste your time and waste God's time. Had a preacher call me this, or text me this morning. He was just complaining, whining, and, and uh, pouting. And I pouted with him a little bit. <laughs> and he said, I got five or six people who's already called me and said they ain't coming this morning. Had a guy go to South Florida. Because he went to South Florida, he's going to take off three weeks and quarantine himself in the church. Don't you do that. I ain't going to sit next to you. But I'm telling you, listen, 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 listen to me now. 
And I said, and he said, but I remember a message you preached six years ago at the Tri-State Preacher's Fellowship. I said, you don't preach to them, you preach for him. And so I just want to thank you for that message. And it blessed my heart. And then I said, well, thank you for reminding me I preached that because I sure need it this morning. Now Gideon was a threshing wheat, hunkered down, hiding himself under a wine press, afraid of the Mennonites, and God appeared to him. I'm gonna tell you what we need. We need a vision of faith of who God is and that God is able and that God is speaking and that God is enough and God is powerful and when he sends you, you can have peace that he'll get the job done. Stop excusing yourself from not being a soul winner. Amen. I'll tell you, this, this time and age is rough. You can't go visit anymore. My word. I had him coming into church yesterday counseling session. I didn't think I'd ever see the fellow. Thank God he wanted marriage counseling. It's amazing to me that when people get in trouble, they, they, they remember, they remember who, who can help them. It's not just the counselor, it's the counselor. Amen? And I was glad to do it. I think God worked. Then I see, second of all, the principle of valor. My time's about up. But it sure was worth having a little extra time to remember somebody that was faithful. Say amen. So I ain't apologizing for being past 12. Never have, never will. But, you know, I try to get you out of here at a reasonable time. I went home mad at myself Wednesday because I was so long-winded. I really did. And some of y'all didn't even notice. I went to 8.30. I normally don't do that, except every other Wednesday. But look, chapter 7. Look at verse 1 through 3. The Bible says, Now Jerubbabel, what a name, who is, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, you with me? Chapter 7, verse 1, come on now. We're not palm readers, we're Bible readers. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod. So they, the host of Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morel in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that thou art with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from the Mount Gilead. And there returned the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. And so the Lord gave him some very unusual instruction. I'm not going to tell you to do this, because I know some of you take me up on it. He said, If you're afraid, go home. That's what he said. He said, the Lord has told me, if you're afraid, go home. And Gideon probably thought a couple of dozen would leave. I won't tell you how many people left. After the dust settled, 10,000 people left. 10,000 soldiers said, okay, I am afraid. See you later, Gideon. And he's down to 22,000. Fear suits for failure, not for fighting. Fear is infectious. Deuteronomy 20, verse 8, it says, y'all go home because y'all going to infect the others with fear. I'm talking about for the battle. I'm talking about serving God. What if I said, hey, I'm too afraid to go soul winning. I'm too afraid to preach. I'm too afraid to teach. I'm too afraid to minister. I'm too afraid to be hurt. If you want to get hurt, get in the ministry. You don't know what a pastor goes through until you are one. That's what that fellow was saying on the text this morning. He says, people don't have a clue what pastors go through. But I'll tell you what, it's worth it. Say amen. 
It's worth it. But I want to tell you something. If you think you're not going to get hurt, stay out of the ministry. Go home. Because I'm going to tell you something. You'll get hurt if you try to help people. But it's worth it. Say amen. You play it safe and you play your safe zone and you play your comfort zone, you'll never help anybody. But hey, hey parents, can y'all say amen? You've been hurt by your own children. Come on, Danielle, listen to this very closely now, Jacob. You'll get hurt, but it's worth it. It's worth it to be a good parent. It's worth it to sacrifice. It's worth it to uh, be disappointed but never give up on them and discipline them. My mother used to say, this hurts me a lot more than it hurts you. And I said, no, I don't think so. The way you whip me, I know it can't hurt you as much. It might hurt you in a different place, but it hurts me in this place. I used to couldn't stand to get whooped because my mother whooped me. You kids, look at me. She didn't spank me. She whooped me. And I needed it. I needed about three or four more. Folks, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Amen. Philippians 1.28 says, and in nothing ter be terrified by your adversity. Adversary, excuse me. And so we have number one, the principle of vision. The vision of God, that God is able, and the principle of valor, no matter what, serve God, and no matter how many people are, are with you, serve him anyway. And then the principle of diligence. When it's hard to go on, and you go on anyway. How many appreciate somebody that was faithful in your life, that went on anyway? Look at this, in chapter 7, verse 4 through 7, and the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. And he said, bring them down into the water and I'll bring them thee there and there, there shall be that of whom I have unto thee. This shall go with thee and the same, the same shall go with thee and of the whosoever I say unto thee, uh, this shall not go with thee, uh, the same shall not go. A lot of not goings in this verse. But look at verse five. So he brought down the people to the water, the soldiers and the, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone that lappeth of the water with the tongue as a dog lappeth, him shall thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees, all four to drink, the number of them that lappeth, putteth their hands to their mouth, were 300 men, and all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And folks, the Lord said to Gideon, you got 300 left. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I'd be, I'd be a little upset with God if he starts narrowing down everything and he wants me to do a great uh, battle and go to battle against the Mennonites. And folks, 9,700 mouths got down on all fours, started lapping up the water, showed that they weren't uh, steadfast with one knee, scooping up the water, looking for the enemy. And he says, you go home. So 9,700 go home. Now Gideon's down from 32,000. Good, not alive. He's down to 3,200 to 300 men. Folks, that takes villages. The adversary of the devil is seeking to devour. We must be vigilant. We must be faithful. We must go against the odds. And we need to be faithful when we feel like it and when we don't feel like it. But we need to be faithful with a vision. We need to be faithful with valor. But we need to be faithful with some vitality. I want you to see this whole lesson here. Verse 9 of chapter 7. 
verse 9, business picks up. Chapter 7 now. It says, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, get thee down to the host, for I have delivered unto thee thine, into thy hand. But if thou feared to go down, go thou with Pharaoh, thy servant, down to the host. He said, I want you to go down and take a little reconnaissance. I want you to spy out the land. And all these soldiers are going to be all around uh, now, and I want you to go right up to the camp. Look at verse 11. And thou shalt hear what they say. So it's dark, and they're around the campfire. They're listening to what they're saying. And after shall thy hand be strengthened to go down into the host. And then he went down to Pharaoh, his servant, and to the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for a multitude. Couldn't count them. And their camels without number. They had so many cars you couldn't count them. And as the sand by the seaside was multiplied, what a host of an army they were about to face. When Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellows and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled unto the host of the minions and came into the tent and smote it that it fell and overtook it, and the tent laid alone. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of the Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, in his hand hath God delivered the Midians and all the host. Folks, I want you to see it. They're, they're spying and they hear this guy has a vision. He has a vision of something that was very common of that day called barley bread. And barley bread was the least of bread. It was absolutely the cheapest. It was the coarsest. It was the poorest bread there is. And absolutely the impoverished people ate that bread. And he said, hey, there's barley bread that's going to come and this barley bread's going to overcome even the tents of, of our men and, and it's going to overcome us and we're going to be wiped out. And then another guy said, well, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say that barley bread is Gideon. And folks, God uses the simple. And God uses the, the inept. And Gideon himself was nothing, nothing. And folks, I believe that that gave Gideon such strength that he went back and he cried out to the men in verse 15, Joshua, Judges 7. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped. Folks, do you worship him because he's able? Do you worship him because he's mighty? Or do you worship him for what you can get out of him? Folks, he's God. We need to get a vision of God as I preached on Wednesday. And it says, and he returned unto the host of the Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered unto your hand the host of Midian." Folks, listen. And the whole, the whole key Started in Joshua, Judges, excuse me, I keep saying Joshua, I'm sorry. Chapter 6, verse 34. Judges 6, 34. It says, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. 
Folks, literally, that means the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. Let me give you an illustration. I could tell this coat all day long. Raise, raise, raise your arm. Stand up. Stand, stand up straight. No, there's no way that this coat can do anything unless there's somebody that fills him. That, Lord, that, that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord is upon Gideon, means that literally, literally, spiritually, transliterated, whatever, the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. In other words, God took over in Gideon's life. Jehovah Shalom became his peace, but thank God, Jehovah the Lord of hosts became his power. God gave him a very unusual plan in closing. How was that battle won? Well, number one, it was in chapter seven, verse 15. It was won by him realizing where his faith was and who he had faith in. That's why he made the hall of fame of faith. He said, he said it, present tense, future tense, the Lord has delivered unto your hand the host of the Midians. And then he said, okay, this is what we're gonna do, 300 men. We're gonna divide up in three troops. We're gonna take 100 here, 100 here, and 100 here. And what I want you to do is I want you to follow me and do exactly what I say. That's what it says in verse 21. And they ran. And folks, they were obedient. And they were bold. Boldness. Boldness. Not brassness, but boldness. When the test comes, you need to be bold. And by the way, some of you are being tested right now. You don't even know you're being tested. You're tested with your submission to leadership. That's right. You don't even know you're being tested. Some of you in leadership, some of you possible leaders are being tested where you're going to submit, submit over little things. And I think I, I think I count it as little things compared to the big things of souls being saved. There's a hell and there's a heaven. The folks are being tested. And they were bold to be faithful. Then they were broken. They took these vessels and broke them. Folks, this... They were obedient men of God, outnumbered, 100, 100, 100. And he says, follow me. And the first thing he did, he said, I want you to follow and I want you to break some vessels. Folks, we should be broken vessels. And then there was brightness in this battle. He said, I want you to take a torch. The Bible reminds us that we're a city set up on a hilltop. We have a brilliant testimony. And folks, the Bible says in verses 21, look at verse 21, and they stood every man in his place. They kept rank. They were obedient, submissive. Not everybody was trying to be the general. It was Gideon, the man of God, the man that had God all over him. And the man of God said, follow me, blow the horn, Wave the torch. Stand in your place. Just ordinary barley bread. But God was using it for brightness and display of his presence. 
God will send fear to the camp, he said. Look at verse 21. It says, and they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. Those Midianites, they ran, they cried, and they fled. But that wasn't enough. Then, then some fair weather people jumped on the bandwagon, verse 22 through 25, and all the Israelites came out of the mountains and came out of the woods, and they went and conquered, and they took two kings, cut their heads off, and Gideon was on the other side of Jordan. Let me just close by saying this, friend. There's four principles for victory in your life. Vision, valor, vigilance, and vitality. And the last one's the most important. You've got to believe that you're not enough. You're just barley bread. But you've got to believe that when God says, I will give you peace, Jehovah Shalom, I will give you power, and I'll give you my presence. Just go shine. Hey, go shout. That doesn't sound like a good warfare. And just stay in your rank, men. And God will deliver. And those evil, wicked, idolatrous people and soldiers, they couldn't even count the camels. They couldn't even count, they couldn't even count the tanks that were on the, on the horizon of the war. They couldn't account the men that were on the horizon of the war. And they showed up with 300 little men that were ready to fight. But they didn't fight in their own strength. They fought by faith. And God gave them the victory. Can I close by saying, saying this? There's faith. When there's faith in the victory that was won at Calvary, you can claim the victory for your everyday life. God will not only save you, he will sustain you. But God, not only will he sustain you, praise God, Brother Jeremy, he'll sanctify you for his use to preach the word of God, to teach the word of God, to be a good deacon, to be a good song leader. Hey, to be a good man of God, to be a good daddy, to be a good mother, to be a spirit-filled Christian that brings great honor to God because you have faith in God. Father, use the message. Thank you, dear Lord, for this long study of Gideon, but I had to be thorough because, Lord, it's a great story. And it's not just a children's story that we made up to keep our children interested in the little Sunday school class. God, this was a real man. And folks, he made the Hall of Fame of faith, so he must have been a good man of faith. So, Lord, give us faith to see you before we even get in the battles. Give us faith to trust you to be our sword, to be our light, to be our power, to be our strength. God, help us as parents to have the faith and the strength to lead our children and keep them in rank, teach them some mission. Teach them obedience. Teach them there is a God that loves them and has a wonderful plan for them. God, help us as teachers. Help us as preachers. God, help us as everyday Christians that walk the walk and not just talk the talk and have a bright and brilliant and shining testimony by faith that you are who you say you are. You're almighty God. Lord, I've been encouraged today. Thank you.
And Lord, I've been taught today. And I've been reminded that Gideon was just an old barley bread. But God, you used that for a great victory for your glory. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. How many say, preacher, I know I'm saved. If I died today, I know I'd go to heaven. That's where the victory starts because the victory is won at Calvary. Hey, the victory is won at the empty tomb. Three, three, three days later, up from the grave, he arose. And I believe that for my salvation. How many believe that for your salvation? Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that all over this auditorium? How many glad you saved? Say amen. You ought to be excited about it. We're on the winning side. I don't care what the world says. And I don't know how many uh, pessimistic newscasts I listen to. I know I'm on the winning side. There's several who could not raise your hand and you say this morning, I need to be saved. I need the Lord. I need some victory in my life. I need some faith. And I know it starts by trusting the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right now, I want you to pray for me, preacher. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out in any way, shape, or form. I just want to pray for you. That's the most I could ever do for you. You say, preacher, I think about enough of my own soul to ask you to pray for me to be saved because I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And a lot of my friends are dying and I don't want to be left short in eternity forever and ever and burn in hell. I want to go to heaven when I die and I want you to pray for me. Anybody? Just slip your hand up real high and say, preacher, pray for me. Anyone? Real quick. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. I won't pray for you. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Got to have that faith that bursts you into the kingdom of God. Then you're on the winning side, amen? You're more than conquerors through Christ that strengthens you. You want to get it from this flimsy, changeable world. How many say, preacher, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But I have some loved ones that are not. And I have some battles that I'm facing. And I've almost got pitiful. I'm almost gave up. And I just really don't want to do that. I want to shine for Jesus in these dark times. This is the most important time to shine, by the way. You'd say, preacher, this morning, I need more faith. I need more faith. And I want to ask you to pray for me that I have, have the Spirit of God on me in such a way that God is relevant and that God is always right and that God is my Lord and my Savior. And you'd say, preacher, please pray for me because I want to be a witness in these last days you slip your hand up high for more faith all over this place. God bless you. Thank, thank the Lord for you. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for this day. Pray to God as we rush to the cemetery that you'd use us. And God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that during this invitation, there might be somebody that gets under Holy Ghost conviction, that somebody would yield their life to the ministry. Yield their life to do more for you. Yield their life to stay in rank Stay in place as a soldier of Christ. God, thank you for the great soldiers that's led the way. And Lord, been so faithful over the years. I think of Brother uh, Dr. Sammy Allen and others, God, that are battling for their very life right now. God, they've been so faithful, so faithful. We appreciate them, love them, praying for them. But dear God, help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name.